0: Mitch, what are you doing for Easter?
1: I'm going to the lake with my brother's family. Oh, be down the
0: boat. That sounds like fun. You're going to yeah, Roosevelt? Or Pleasant.
1: Uh, Actually, I don't know. Uh, we may be going. We may be going to uh, Canyon. They like.
0: Oh, that's a great lake. Yeah, that's a great deep, lake. deep in the edge there, down by uh, Tortilla Flats. Yeah. Welcome to the Bottle of Brown Podcast. I am your host, Danny Paul. Joining me in the Bob Media Studios is the Maestro de Mexico, the Duke of the Desert, the Crown Prince of the Purple. That's right, the mage here with us tonight. Hey, where are the white women at? How are you, my friend? How are you? I'm I'm doing just fine. We uh we just have Mr. Fine. Jones on line, yet not in front of the mic. He's still giving a bath to the Prince of Walnut Creek. So he'll, he'll jump in with us when the time is right. Tonight is we got a great show, as Conan O'Brien would say. We've got uh we've got our top story. We've got brown news. Got the crank file. We're gonna look at some science, and we're gonna finish up with happy times. And then if you have anything to loathe about, we could always wedge in a WTF segment. But without further ado... Oh, look, we just joined us. Mr.
2: Jones is in the Bob Media Studios. (laughs) Oh,
1: yes! Hey,
2: Danny. Danny, good to see your face. Good to see the midge. Uh, I'm sorry I'm late. Just uh, put the kid down for bed. and This is uh, the best I could do. Do what you got to do. Well, your timing is excellent. What is your brown for this evening? Hold that thought. I sat down and forgot the brown, but I got the glass. One minute. Midge, how about you? What's your brown?
1: I'm back to the Kraken. Oh, the kraken! Release the kraken! I'm going to be uh, doing a little uh, wine and more field trip this week, so I have some more interesting
0: selections to. Uh, good man, good man. Brag about. If you want to do an instant, immediate, gotta have lots of stuff going on. You can always go for those little airplane bottles, or oh, go oh I got the, those. You got lots of mm-hmm. those. You can always make a good cocktail with the airplane bottles, and then the other one is instead of going for the 750 milliliter. Go for like the travel size ones. Those are easy to get to in a pinch. You don't have to have anything fancy there because well, brother
1: flies for brother flies for Alaska airlines. And, and, uh, you know, like a true pilot, he never, he never leaves the plane without
0: a couple of free bottles. Oh, good man. Good man.
2: <laughs> All right, Jay's back. All right. So the brown tonight is the tried and true, my favorite and hopefully yours, Eagle Rare Tenure. Just basically oh, the uh pretty much one of the best bottles that you can find oh, it. Delicious at regular price. All right. Good winner. Midge
0: is rocking the Kraken and I finished off my kernel tonight. <laughs> Right, E.H. Taylor to welcome us in the spring.
2: Well, there you go. Someone's got to go out mm. into the uh, magical place of Safeway and find some more bottles. Yeah, I got to get to
0: Safeway, CBS. I got to go to all my local stops and see if I can be one of those guys that goes, hey, man,
2: let me in the back
0: room because it's very difficult to find anything good out here. Although there is a place called Trevor's out in Scottsdale, Mitch. There's one down by you. There's two of them. I went to the one in North Travers. Scottsdale. Trevor's yeah right. they I've have a very very impressive little whiskey section right in the middle and they got tons of stuff like half of the it's like a I don't, don't want to shit on total wine because they've been good to us but they're it's like a nice total Wine. They've you gotta got, go to uh, the place it's
2: the hole in the wall though you gotta go you gotta find that guy they're out there like oh I mean I'm surprised Leon hasn't turned you on like you gotta find that that hole in the wall spot where you become a member with them and you go in a lot and you end up finding the stuff that's hard to find Yep. You get to find this. the craft bottle shop or something. Well, I don't have a triple B that can <clears throat> go all the time and
0: meet everybody and be social. and yeah. agreed. Well And I don't want to have sex with my local
2: convenience store owner. Well, no. well, that's neither here Sometimes nor there. You've got to get ahead in this world, <laughs> and we all have boundaries. Now that we know talk about Brown. Now. Let's talk about Brown. How you doing? Whiskey and whiskey. This is the darkest brown you got. Yeah. Say, home's Holmes, where they hide the scotch? What about? Um, brown. That's code for bourbon. Great stuff, this bourbon. Comes from a land called Kentucky. Talk about brown. There's a special rung in hell reserved for people who waste good scotch. Scotch?
0: Oh, yes, I, I think so. Can I have one more of these with some booze in it, please? Nice right, talk about Brown comes to us from CNN. This one is dated uh, March 29th, so it was about a week ago. We're, we're recording this on April 6th. This will be episode 79 going up on the feed sometime later in April. Amsterdam asks wild young male British tourists to stay away. <laughs> Now, for us guys growing up in Southern California, we always had Tijuana. Well, apparently, if you're a Brit, Amsterdam is your Tijuana. You jump over there, you have way too much to drink, cause yourself a nuisance, and you cause trouble for the locals. And the picture on the front is a nice young man passed hey, out on the park bench. All hey. right. Classy yeah,
2: good night. Classy.
0: Amsterdam is asking young British men to stay away, quote unquote, if they plan to visit the city to cut loose and go wild. The Netherlands capital's new online campaign to tackle nuisance tourism launched this week and targets visitors between the ages of 18 and 35. The city's local authority announced in a news release Tuesday. If British tourists search online for terms such as stag party Amsterdam, cheap hotel Amsterdam or pub crawl Amsterdam, a video advertisement will appear warning them of the consequences of drinking too much, taking drugs or causing trouble through antisocial behavior. One video shows a drunk young man being arrested. The accompanying text says coming to Amsterdam for a messy night, plus getting trashed equals 140 euro fine plus criminal record equals fewer prospects. It adds, so coming to Amsterdam for a messy night, stay away. I know, I know you've been to Amsterdam, Jay. What about you, Mitch? Twice. So I, I have not been to Amsterdam. Year... Maybe yeah, you guys even a couple of years back
1: and I was there a couple years back and I, First time I went was with my parents, so it was it was less fun. Uh, but my second second time around, <clears throat> so I I was not a uh, smoker of the ganja for most of my young and even no brownies uh, midlife very little because of my <clears throat> chosen vocation for many years. Ah uh, yes. So when I did go, this was kind of before uh, weed was legalized in half of America. Uh, hit the coffee shops and almost got killed multiple times in the streets of amsterdam because one of the charming but dangerous things about amsterdam is they have sidewalk for walking a sidewalk for going everywhere and the street and the fun part is these all zigzag around the whole city almost everywhere you go so i nearly got clipped by people on bikes and trains on multiple occasions that being said uh you know as this
0: Article indicates I had
1: a great time. <laughs> and you'd go back. And i go back. What was your um, Amsterdam
2: experience? I've had a bunch of them, but um, I've been there with my wife. I've been there without my wife. Uh, I, You know, I think the way I look at it is that they are some of those lovely people. Like they are inviting. They are warm. They, you know, control themselves. And they're just a really, really good, wholesome group of people. Now, that's my experience. It's not everyone's. You can't say that like, you know any city in the U S like, Oh, those are nice people. Well, I had a bad experience. There you go. But for me, I had such a good time. I did what, if this is kind of maybe what this plays to is they have a thing called Queens night and, um, it's one of the best parties I've ever been to. It was a 24 hour party. I went 24 hours. It was just so much fun of, um, a costume party at night that closed at dawn and then you got filled out to the streets and the streets were filled with people and everywhere there was a DJ stand and there was this stages and music and canals and everyone's in orange and everything's a yard sale. And it's just a wild good time. So, um, I recommend it to anyone just, you gotta, as most life, stay in control. Don't be an idiot. There you go.
1: That reminds me I almost fell in the canal
2: too. <laughs> <laughs> as all of us
1: forgot that part
2: as <laughs> you do, as you do. But no, it's a, you just got to stay with the element. It's a, I'll tell you the other thing I love about the city, not not to do with this with drinking, but it, it culturally with the art scene is just phenomenal. If you are into art, it is really fun. So
0: anyways, there's a lot of things about
2: Amsterdam besides the red light district.
0: Unfortunately, that's what seems to get most (laughs) of the press.
2: Yeah. the coffee shops and the red light, there's way more and it is a fun place to go. So tourists Uh, from EU countries could be next. Go ahead, Mitch.
1: I think this uh, article and this complaint as it's being presented falls into the same uh, category as uh, type 2 diabetes. When you have uh, prostitution and all drugs legal and you have nuisance tourism, it's your fault.
0: (laughs) While the stay away campaign may expand later in the year to include visitors from the Netherlands and other EU countries who have the potential to cause nuisance, according to the local authority, Amsterdam will also launch a How to Amsterdam campaign this month aimed at visitors already in the city through social media and street signs (laughs) tourists will be warned about drunkenness causing too much noise buying drugs from street dealers and the ban on urinating in public city council is also in talks with bachelor party providers to work out how they can reduce nuisance tourism in the city center and is awaiting research results on the possibility of applying a tourist tax. Last month, Amsterdam announced a ban on the use of marijuana on the street and several restrictions on alcohol use in its red light district, where about 10 to 15% of the city's tourist industry is based. This year, the city is expected to receive more than 18 million overnight visitors, the number at which the city council is obliged to intervene, quote unquote, under a 2021 ordinance called Amsterdam Tourism in Balance. You know what they're going to end up doing? They're just going to start putting the whole bachelor party scene somewhere outside the city limits, like that shitty rental car center you got to go to from the airport. They're just going (laughs) to put you on a bus and say, get the fuck out of here.
2: Build a a little Vegas out there or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, find
0: some place out on the edge, near the beach, take them over to Dunkirk and make sure there's a historical monument or something. This is where we might might leave you like we left you back in World War II. Telling people,
1: putting up signs that say how to to Amsterdam and then instructing people what you want them to do is like putting up signs all over Vegas that say, do you have a gambling problem? (laughs) Yeah, that's why I'm here.
0: (laughs) Which there are a ton of in Vegas. Well, that wraps up Talk About Brown. Let's get to our top story.
1: (laughs) Down business.
0: And I got news for you. Fans of the Bottle of Brown podcast will know that Danny Paul is a fan of demographics. And I am very interested in population. I think population moves economy. I think economy moves war. I think all of it's connected. More babies equals more stuff. You don't make it the sex. Your culture collapses. This one tonight is from the Insider Magazine, insider.com. Also dated March 29th. Chinese colleges are giving students a week off to fall in love as the country struggles to keep its birth rate up. Nine vocational colleges in China want their students to go forth and find love during a week-long spring break in April. The schools run by Fanmei Education Group announced on March 23rd that they are going on a break from April 1st to the 7th and tasked students with enjoying themselves. The school implements the spring break system in the hope that students can learn to love nature, love life, enjoy love, walk out of campus, get in touch with nature, and with your heart, feel the beauty of spring. The participating colleges are all vocational schools for jobs in the aviation industry, such as pilots, flight attendants, air traffic controllers, and airport security staff. The schools have been giving students and teachers a week off in the spring since 2019, but this year's theme is... Enjoy the blossoms. Go fall in love. The announcement comes made a push in China to bolster rapidly declining birth and marriage rates. Local companies, provinces, and townships have been experimenting with ways to get people to tie the knot, like offering 30 days of marriage leave or launching campaigns asking city women to date rural older bachelors. Liu Ping, deputy dean of Sichuan Southwest Aviation and Vocational College, told China News Network that the school started its spring break program in response to feedback from students who asked for a fixed time To learn outside of campus, make new friends, and experience the beauty
2: of love. What do you think of this, guys? (laughs) It's China. (laughs) It's just like, we need you to, we we have a problem, which is this whole one child problem that they thought was a good idea back when they did it. And now they're stuck with, because here's the real issue here, is that there are no females and way too many males. So they're forcing the females to basically get out of their comfort, whatever it is, and promote finding a, ma- a mate. But they don't want to. Like, that's the that's the quintessential problem here in China is they don't want to be a servant. They don't want to deal with China. They want to be their own, which is what we see in Japan. Same kind of like, you know, woman's rights, woman's, you know, woman's, you know, hold in the world. And they're creating this to basically promote it. And will it be successful? <laughs> I don't know. It's China.
0: Well, there is, and I talked about this on, I think, one of the earliest episodes of the pod when we had Singapore Ram on. There is a go make sex night in Singapore. There is a, uh, for the greatness of Mother Russia, go have sex night. And a lot of these places that have these collapsing populations, i.e. China, have these kind of programs where they ex- they want you to go out. They want you to have a good time. They want you to mate because population collapse is a real thing. Back in the seventies, China had the one child policy. Eventually they gave in and went to the two child policy. And then in 2016, they went to the three child policy, but even that couldn't save them. And uh, I want to quote Peter Zihan, who's a, a favorite geopolitical strategist of mine. He says, when you're in the farm, you have as many children as you can because they're free labor. When you move into the city, you don't want to have children because they become very expensive furniture and they're too expensive to take care of and daycare is too expensive and they just get in the way. So once you move to the cities, you stop having children. So whereas this happened in Europe and the United States over a period of 150 or 200 years, it happened in China in roughly 50. So within 50 years, they all left from the farm. They all went to the cities and they all realized, oh, Kids suck. They stopped having them. They're expensive. Right. They're expensive. They're a pain in the ass. So what you run into now is with one child policy, two parents have one kid, which means you're effectively halving the population every generation. Mm -hmm. And I think last week or last month, there was uh, something put out by a a major uh, research organization that showed that India's population just passed China. And Mm -hmm. to quote Mr. Zihan, as I said earlier, China, as we know it, will be gone by 2030 because they'll all die out. So I always find these little love programs and these get out there and, and make babies campaigns. Same thing with Japan. Japan just figured out how to automate 20 years ago. Yeah,
2: Japan has a real problem economically. They, and I don't think they have a solution either. They're just in a declining population. It's a real economic problem there. So For those of you paying attention.
1: I don't want to sound woke, but uh, do you think it's coincidental that all of the countries that have the uh, go-have-sex nights are entirely run by men? Ah, uh, cool. we-
0: Well, they're all run by
1: men. It's just a matter of which. Well, Russia and China a little more so, wouldn't you say? Yes.
0: Yes, (laughs) to be true. But Germany was run by a woman, Angela Merkel, and they have this problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, UK's got a bit of this problem. The one who doesn't have it as far as I know is Brazil's good. France is good. Argentina's really good. United States is good. Ding, ding, ding. We have a nice replacement something. And I think India is like 3.2 for child. And then all of Africa, for the most part, has like a five to one uh, birth rate. So what you look at when you look at a demographic period is it's supposed to be very, very tight at the top and very wide at the bottom because you're supposed to have X number of kids for every grandparent. But in most of these places, specifically like Japan, Mm -hmm. South Korea, Germany's pretty bad. uh, China's awful. What you're looking at is the pyramid goes into a column, which is okay. And then once it turns into a mushroom cloud, that's population collapse. So I'm always very curious about these little initiatives here. Like Sichuan is really strong at boosting the fertility rate, they're saying on Weibo. And it's just like, come on, guys, you got to you gotta get this going. So again, women's lib, wonderful. You don't want to have kids. You don't want to get married. Good for you. But realize that in 25 years, you don't have enough people contributing to the economy, which means it's going to go down to shit.
1: Maybe the Chinese day ladies are having a difficult time... Uh getting in the mood because they have a national holiday called tomb sweeping day. You want to unpack that? <laughs> I'm just, I'm depressed just thinking about it. <laughs> like, hey, I'm going to go to all my dead relatives and friends, uh, tombs and run a broom over them. I, was, I can hardly think of anything. I want to do less. That just sounds awful.
0: Well, it's funny you mentioned that because there are no women in China ever since the 1976 single child policy. It was, if you have a girl, hide her otherwise it's all men Mm -hmm. and so your population ratio of males to females is so out of whack that men are going to other places like macau hong kong singapore malaysia to find wives and try and convince them to come back so what are chinese women doing the first answer Mm -hmm. to that is what chinese women
1: there's more women floating in chinese rivers than just you know there you go (laughs) sorry i was looking where some Looking for some with a penis. Best of luck
0: to you. Uh, there is a catch. The colleges are holding makeup classes on weekends to make up for lost time. Their goal, the school said, is to give students and teachers a concentrated time to rest. That means go get drunk and fuck, brother motherland. Oh, look at this. Uh, to finish off the article, it's a common practice in China where some companies enforce blocks of vacations to give employees more time to travel with their families. Workers in turn make up for the days they've spent out of the office by reporting for work on the weekends. Nice. There's no such thing as
2: vacation in China. Well, but that, that being said, though, China does get a massive amount of time off during New Year's. Like, you know, it, it, this is a different cultural is, thing. Uh, which but,
0: was in the last month and a half, I think, right?
2: Yeah, it was. And so like when it's Chinese New Year and whatnot, like they leave for like a month. Like, like, look, I'm not in China. I just know that everything shuts down during Chinese New Year. So maybe the Bobs know more about it than I do. I'm just saying it really does hamper business. For that period of time, we welcome the Bobs to chime in
0: 602-529-4562 or bottle of brown at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about this, because this is a very interesting topic, perhaps only for Danny. But I always find it fascinating when the country says, go out and make the sex to save
2: our culture. We needed the bibs. We needed the bibs. We needed the bibs. That is correct. Mm-hmm. They're asking top they story. want every,
1: Everybody in the company to be traced. Everybody in the country to be Tracy Morgan. I'm gonna get you pregnant. Yeah, I'm gonna get everybody <laughs> pregnant. Look at the game mm-hmm. tape. Mm-hmm. Let's... We,
2: need, we need
1: those iPhones though. So yeah, don't stop making going. my
2: iPhones. Keep
0: keep it going. Make Let's it a to... sexy time. Make it a sexy time. Let's get to the crank file.
2: I could look for something in the crank file. Crank file. Whatever.
0: Tonight's crankfile comes to us from Snopes. That's right. I found something so weird. I had to go to Snopes to make sure it was true. And it's true. There is a euthanasia roller coaster, boys. A roller coaster you ride when you want oh, to die. I heard about this. You should found the article. Your silence is, is fascinating. No, I uh, like this, this one comes from Snopes. And again, for, for those of you just joining the Bottle of Brown podcast, we welcome new listeners. Welcome. God damn it, welcome. We always post the links to all these stories that we talk about in the show notes. So go check this shit out, because this is a real deal. The euthanasia coaster is a concept for a steel roller coaster designed to kill its passengers. In 2010, it was designed and made into a scale model by Julio Jonas Urbonas, a PhD candidate at the Royal College of Art in London. Urbonas, Lithuanian by birth, who has worked in an amusement park, stated that the goal of its concept roller coaster is to take lives with elegance and euphoria. It is a ride. To the death, the seven loops or inversions put the human body under such stress that it causes the brain to be starved of oxygen, as the heart simply cannot push blood against the enormous G-forces. Even if it kills you, it is designed to still be fun, an honorable thought, if rather macabre. A viral post on Reddit and Twitter generated an uneasy mixture of horror, disbelief, and laughter in early March 2023 with its description of an amusement park ride designed expressly to kill people. The euthanasia coaster is a concept for a steel roller coaster designed to kill its passengers. Julianas Urbonus is a real person, described as follows on his website. Artist, designer, researcher, engineer, founder of Lithuanian Space Agency, associate professor at Vilnius Academy of the Arts, former pro-rector at Vilnius Academy of the Arts, former director of a Soviet amusement park in Klaipeda. As also described on his website, Urbonus did create the concept of and even built a scale model of the euthanasia coaster. Riding the coaster's track, the rider is subjected to a series of intensive motion elements that induce various unique experiences from euthoria to thrill, from tunnel vision to loss of consciousness, and eventually death. Thanks to the marriage of the advanced cross disciplinary research in aeronautics, and space medicine, mechanical engineering, material technologies, and of course, gravity, the fatal journey is made pleasing, elegant, and meaningful. For the purposes of this fact check, the keyword in Urbonus's description of the euthanasia coaster is hypothetic which we take to mean it's theoretical. Although he has resisted in interviews delving into the distinction between real and unreal, I would consider the coaster neither unreal nor real, but somewhere in between. He has also claimed that I have quite the list of people who would like to be scientific objects if the project would advance towards realization. Most of them are elderly from the United States, but I won't go this far. So what's the point of a hypothetical creation? The closest thing we found to a concrete explanation is an expert for an interview he did with ourterritory.com. So how would it kill passengers for real? Well, first you are lifted up the rail to the top of 500 meters and then drop down. And there are seven vertical loops. When you enter the first loop, you are pushed against the seat so much that the blood goes down and there's none left at the upper part of the body. So your brain starts to suffocate, deprived of oxygen. We are all shaped to a greater or lesser extent by the circumstances of our childhood. And in Urbanos' case, this is true in spades. We leave you with this fascinating TED Talk in which the artist recounted growing up in a Soviet amusement park run by his father. And there's a, late, there's a YouTube link to a TED Talk where I'm sure he talks about how awful his father was growing up in Soviet Russia. Loss of oxygen to the brain. What a way to go, huh?
2: Just find it to be. You're supposed to take something fun and enjoyable. And let's just make a torture out of it. It just. I saw this article and I was just like... I don't know. It's an engineer with way too much time on his hands. And I don't know.
1: It is very much that. And, uh, you know, I have, I have another coaster related euthanasia idea. How about we just line up people in that same spot that that one chick that was on the ninja coaster, you know, the other coaster that's mounted from the top. Imagine mountain. That guy climbed over the fence to get his hat and then drop kicked him on accident. Just took his head clean off. That's well, we, got a, we got a lot of, we got a lot of, a lot of mean, angry people out there. A good stress reliever for the kicker. And, um, You know, the other person on the
2: ground still gets to (laughs) die. I just don't get what's the point of this whole thing. Like you want to make a way for people to die and then you want to spin it to make it something good. This is stupid.
0: The idea is you, they're so purposeful suicide. And there's a term for that, which escapes me right now. Maybe the bobs will chime in, but assisted suicide or I want to kill myself is a thing and it's not legal. And so the idea is you have to either forcibly take pills and then suffocate yourself Or you got to do all the bad things like jump from a bridge or drive into a tree or, or you know, a lot of painful stuff with a lot of cleanup. This is an opportunity to go on a wonderful experience that creates euphoria. I mean, the reason that you see some of these news clips where guys die choking themselves out while they're jerking off is that's what they're looking for. They're looking for that loss of oxygen. There is a euphoric moment when the brain runs out of oxygen. So his this guy's idea is why not just go on a roller coaster if you want to buy it? you want to buy the farm, and this is the way to go. And so the idea is you go up this, if you look at this picture, for those of you listening at home, if you go on this picture, there's one gigantic lift that takes you 500 meters in the air. And when you get to the top, theoretically, you're allowed to say, okay, I want to get off. Because if you want to stay on, you got to push a button that then sends you back down. And as you're going down, anybody who's been on free fall or any other ride at an amusement park where they literally drop you, you know, that feeling of weightlessness. And the idea is you're all of your organs go up into your throat and you have that feeling of disorientation. Well, that's the blood working its way up to the top of your skull. And then the idea is that G pressure continues through loop, 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 loop. That By the time you're done, your brain has been so starved of oxygen that you die, but you've been feeling good the entire time. So i got going to think about this. So... If you wanted to go, hypothetically speaking, how would you want to go? For me, sex while skydiving is probably at the top of the list, but this is up there. I think this is pretty clever. I don't. Have either of you ever
1: worked at a uh, an amusement park?
2: Uh, sadly, no. no. Well,
1: I've worked at a water park, and I can tell you, if that guy got to the top of that thing, and I was the dude, uh, you know, controlling the ride, making eleven bucks an hour, and he was like, "Yeah, I changed my mind," he would be like, "Okay, that's fine." And I press the button. And no, you didn't. Sends him down the. The euthanasia part. And then I'd laugh about it with my buddies. I'm uh,
0: ridiculous. does, does lend <clears throat> itself to some very interesting scenarios of, one, who are these people coming in? But I thought it was interesting. Worthy of the crank file. It's a crank, right?
2: Yeah, totally. I agree. The crank, the crank file. The crank
0: file. That wraps up the crank file. Let's get to science, technology, space. Five, four, three,
2: two, one. Science isn't about Why? It's about why not right. Science. technology. Right, yes, yeah,
0: science. Technology. Space. Tonight, Science Technology Space comes to us from MedicalExpress.com, dated March seventeenth. This one was fascinating to me from a number of levels. Study hints at the promise of non-hallucinogenic LSD for treating mood disorders. We're talking about things like bipolar disorder and and some of the other really, really heavy, heavy uh, medical health benefits. There's a lot of stuff going on about biohacking and microdosing and all this. But this seemed very interesting, the idea that LSD could actually have some medical benefit. Because right as it was getting hot in the 50s and 60s, it was taken off and scheduled as a bad thing. Now, I've never personally done acid but I have talked to people that have done acid and for the most part, I would say 80 or 90% go, dude, it's awesome. Provided you're in the right environment. There's there, People Always. have bad trips from time to time.
1: Oh God. Did you eat all this acid? That's right.
0: Music! The article begins... Mood disorders are mental health conditions characterized by persistently dysregulated moods, such as recurring feelings of depression or euphoria, high highs, low lows. According to statistics by the National Institutes of Health, approximately one in five people in the United States will experience mood disorders at some point in their life. Given their high incidence and their highly debilitating effects, identifying effective treatments for these disorders is of the utmost importance. While there are now countless antidepressant medications on the market, patients tend to respond to each of them differently, and some also cause undesirable side effects. Reachers at Carleton University, Better Life Pharma, Incorporated, the Medical College of Wisconsin, and UC San Diego have recently carried out a study exploring the potential of a non-hallucinogenic version of LSD for treating mood disorders. Their findings published in Cell Reports suggest that non-hallucinogenic LSD could have positive effects of mood while also reducing the need for medical supervision while
2: taking the drug. What do you guys think? Well, I think this is exactly where medicine is going, where they're finding alternative uses for things like that. So so what we've seen for treatments in other hallucinogenic drugs, um, MDMA being one of them and LSD being the other and so forth, being able to help treat patients that are having psychological difficulty in the world. So it's always where medicine's going. I like the fact is it like this goes back to like the war we had against drugs and how the classification of drugs caused a box to be created where you couldn't do any more research. And so this is where we're finally coming out where we're able to open the box again and find treatments and find alternatives. And yes, there's the recreational there's everything has to have a balance. And then there's overall prosperity that you can get from certain treatments. So it's all very positive, I think, if we can get down to a society that can accept alternative uses of medicine and ways in which it can help people instead of just looking at it being they're gonna abuse it, it's gonna leave a door open, it's in a gateway into something else.
0: Ultimately, the research group led by Dr. Aguilar Valles, at Carleton University, carried out a series of experiments on cultured neurons and living mice to test the effects of 2BR LSD on mood. Firstly, They collected measurements to determine whether 2-BR LSD increased the morphological complexity of cultured rat neurons. Morphological complexity is a measure of neuronal plasticity, or in other words, the brain's ability to change the function, structure, and organization of neurons over time. They then measured stress-coping behavior in mice and demonstrated that, similar to other effective antidepressants, this form of LSD increased active stress-coping behaviors and reversed the effects of chronic stress, a key risk factor for depression and other mood disorders. So not necessarily made you happy, but reversed the effects of ultimate stressors that affect mood. So rather than high highs and low lows, it kind of mellowed you out to a more, this is kind of okay and this is kind of not okay. If proven safe and effective in treating mood disorders in human patients, non-hallucinogenic derivatives of serotonin, serotonergic psychedelic drugs could be used more widely than their hallucinogenic counterparts for therapeutic purposes because they may require less clinical supervision. And what I know is that a lot of times these psychedelics are being used in treating PTSD because they provide ding, an out-of-body experience that allow you to detach yourself from the trauma. So I thought this was fascinating.
1: It's positive. I think this is a great idea for people who pop Xanax like their Tic Tacs. And there are so many of those people out there right now, especially like the uptack, uptick in antidepressants and, um, you know, general, general anti-anxiety anti- medications has just gone through the roof since, since the pandemic. And to be honest, a lot of those either, either they work too well, people can't not use them or they don't work at all. In fact, they make you more depressed. So they need to find a better solution than than uh, they have on the current market for, you know, just, just general pharmaceuticals and antidepressants are, don't have a very good uh, success record as a, um, as a category. And I know, no, this is somebody who's
2: the a shit. Can I just say, is this basically doctors prescribing something just as go take a pill? Like it's passing off treatment and just going, go take a pill. Just go take this. You're good. Just, you can take this. It'll help you. Versus really treating the problem. Like what's the root? What 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 is really getting there? Like, well, I, I think find the you're tests absolutely were done. Right.
0: They were done in mice and you can't ask a mouse how it's feeling. Well, or, you know, tell me about but your mother. Why are they so they're doing they're,
2: the test in the first place though? Like well, they're, they're looking, doing the test for a reason.
0: They're looking for psychological changes in the brain such that they can determine whether a mood disorder is existing and what the effect is on the mood disorder. So the article continues, overall, the results in this collaborative research effort suggest that non-hallucinogenic LSD analogs, in particular 2-BR LSD, could be promising treatments for mood disorders. In addition, the researchers found that they could potentially also serve as anxiolytics, drugs to ease feelings of anxiety. So they're their mood stabilizers, I think, is a better way to look at it. So I don't know that you would get a neurotic mouse, but there's got to be some way to measure emotional impact on a mammal. And so that's why we use mice is they're, they're somewhat close to us on the genome. But I think the idea is you would probably, to your point, Jay, you would probably want to wrap this into a safe space, therapeutic counseling, a lot of talking, a lot of analyzing, a lot of figuring out. That's uh, what it what comes to down to. to. To get to Midge's point is, yeah, you don't just pop a pill and everything's fine. What you want is something that eliminates the physical stigma that allows you to actually really focus and attack the problem. This is a positive. This is a positive so thing. The article finishes up, we hope to identify markers or mechanisms shared by drugs with similar antidepressant profiles so that we can improve our screening process of potential pharmacotherapies or mood disorders. So rather than deal with antidepressants, which have a whole bunch of side effects, this could be something relatively benign that could actually do some real good, but it's classified as LSD, which is on the schedule and federally illegal as far as we are technically concerned with the law.
1: I don't know about you guys, but every time I see a rainbow colored giraffe riding Bigfoot puts me in a better mood.
0: Absolutely. I'll drink to that. It's a good time.
2: There are some, some time technology, technology space. Bending over and farting.
0: <laughs> you guys got anything that you want to loathe about?
2: I'm too exhausted.
0: Oh, oh boy, do I. All right, here we go. Let's get to WTF. Excuse me, what the... What the...
1: What the... Hey, yo, what the... What? What the fuck? The... Whiskey!
0: Tango. Fuck! the floor is yours.
1: <laughs> All right. I know... I know Jones going to feel me a little bit here because, uh, he lives in... In a place that is absolutely being devastated by this problem. And that is the homelessness problem going on. Uh, and I understand that this is not something that is um, even mainly a lot of these people's fault. It's a combination of mental illness and, uh, you know, sometimes drug use. Uh, a lot of it is just how high rent has gotten. It's it's a lot of things contributing to this. But I can't uh, go to a gas station, uh, take a dump in a Starbucks, uh, pull up to a drive through without somebody asking me for money. It happens every... Single time I stop anywhere, every time I leave my house all the time. But I have a solution that affects all of us. The solution I came to uh happened after one of my uh, vehicles was run into by somebody else and had to rent a car, rent a Tesla. Uh, and I love this thing. It is so much fun. I almost want an excuse to leave the house just to go drive it, whether I have somewhere to go or not. Now, the one sector that Tesla has not really gotten into, as far as I know, is RVs. And it's the sector they need to get into more than anything. But you want
0: to get gigantic Tesla. RVs and put all the homeless in them?
1: No, no, everybody, everybody just gets a Tesla RV. Jay, you have any thoughts on that? You guys are so serious.
2: It's fucking stupid, but it's your rant. You get to have (laughs) your stage. How dare you? How dare you? You got to get a new fucking mic.
1: I've it's it's in it's in my Amazon fucking
2: order, is what I hear. (laughs) I'm I'm glad.
1: I'm I'm glad. Don't get snippy with me. I'm glad you enjoyed it.
2: No, but the homeless problem is a huge problem, and I don't have a solution other than. My solution realistically is that we are going to have a glut, a freaking glut of office space that's going to hit the market. And we need to basically clear it out and make it for homeless. And it's going to be scary because you're basically going to take high rises and put a bunch of homeless people in them, but it gets them off the street, gets them affordable housing, and it's a loss, loser. So will it work? Actually, oh. at the very and, least, and, and it's also- a climate controlled
0: area where they can go do whatever they want, 10 city, just 27 floors up rather than on the
2: street. Mm-hmm. You could drink giant ghettos and different things and other problems because now you have like crime and drugs all through something. But I'm just saying there's a you know, like huge you know, but in, market in the
0: wire. Mm-hmm.
1: In seriousness, yep. I think that uh, I, I do think that rezoning is one of the easiest solutions to yeah. the housing problem that we have now. And all you would have to do really is convert convert a lot of office space that is going unused, and to Joan's point, will continue to get worse. Um, the work from home thing is a movement that's going to keep happening, and in larger numbers. And all you would really need to do is you know, build more kitchens, kitchens and bathrooms onto existing office space, and and you take real estate that doesn't exist for one sector and turn it into real estate need for another. I, I know that requires working with local governments, which is a fucking nightmare, let's be honest, but um it's it's the easiest, simplest solution, and it's it's really stupid to go around building new apartment complexes and you know the the equivalent of um housing projects when you've got all this commercial space that could relatively easily be converted.
0: well, it's not as easy, but yeah, I mean, the commercial possible. space should go to rehabilitation campaigns, right? If you want a job, clean up, shave, get dressed. Get back out there right yeah.
1: well and I mean to that end you could you could train people who don't have skills to do that kind of stuff I mean construction work is not the most difficult to learn how to do so you could provide jobs to people while building this stuff and then they end up you know they end up with a skill in, in in the job market obviously the the money factor, is a problem in the short term, but in the long term, it, it it does solve multiple problems at the same time. But you
2: remember too, you have a bunch of mental health problems too. So it's not like, it's just a yeah, complicated it's
1: not, answer. It's but, not, but you can't solution. it I don't think it it's fair thing. to say that all the people who are homeless have a mental health problem. Someone just can't afford. No, I mean, that's true. Yeah, it's, really, yeah, it's, it's out of control in a lot of places in the country. And where you live is, is the prime example of
2: that. It is way too expensive. Trust me.
1: And Phoenix is, Phoenix is,
2: you're next rapidly
1: getting there. We, we, I just had a house sold yeah. on the street for mine for $800,000 and my neighborhood's fine, but we're not, we are, we are not a place where houses should be approaching a million dollars. Not in Phoenix. It's just not absurd Wait like that. Four
2: years. Wait four and five years, bro. You are gonna be in a million dollar. Yeah. That's what happened well, out
1: here. I, I hope so, but I, I, I think I think we're also gonna see uh we're gonna see a, a bit of a dip eventually unless what? interest rates are cut. That's, yeah. that's the same you thing. know it's that better, than Demand its affordability yeah. won't be there. I, I I can't imagine. I mean, if I wanted to buy my house today with the rates where they are, I'd have a mortgage of almost three thousand dollars. That's almost double what mine is now. Not I mean, double, it's but it's close. One hundred percent because of interest. That's that's outrageous. Like why? Why would you do that? And and if they are so high that it kind of still makes sense to rent in a lot of places, whereas you know, Assuming literally you less than a enough. year ago, than a year ago, if you could buy a house, it didn't make sense to keep renting. Rent was too high. Now the rates are so high that it's you know it's even if you can afford to, may not make sense to least not until housing prices drop enough that, um, you know, at least you get a good deal on it until you can get a rate that's reasonable. I'm saying that, of course, growing up with parents who were paying probably 10 or 11% interest rate on their homes. Most of our parents were, uh, you know, the way it was just a mess. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's the home. Much. I love that argument, but then I'm like, your home was like X. It's like you're paying twelve percent on a mortgage of a hundred and fifty thousand. Like, great. Okay, now I'm paying six or seven percent on a mortgage It's a million dollars. Don't cry to me. Yeah, it's hard. Well, you're not getting it yeah, from the, me.
1: The other difference was they made a lot more money compared to what wages were at the time. You could buy a really nice car in the '90s for twelve grand. Good luck doing that today. You can't do it's it. Not gonna it's not going to happen.
0: It's just, it doesn't equivalent anymore. Yeah. Excellent job, Mitch. Well done.
1: Were we, ta- were we talking about LSD? Sorry, I blacked out for a second.
0: No, no, no. That was, that was your loathe. And Must the mushrooms. Mushrooms. Right. it's time to close out with happy times. <laughs> Tonight's happy times it comes to us from the Washington Post. I went deep news on this one. I wanted some credibility. This one's dated March 13th. High school basketball team had no band. A rival school stepped in. Dig this shit. The Martin County High School boys basketball team was in the final quarter of a nail-biter of a game at a regional tournament in Pikeville, Kentucky, when live music suddenly started playing for them, They knew it wasn't their school's small 23-member band, which was unable to attend because of a bus driver shortage. The music was coming from the nearly 100-member band of a rival school, Pike County Central High. The score was tied in the 10th game when the music started. Right before the Pike County Central High School band began performing, the musicians had some downtime and were awaiting their school's own game. That's when they noticed something on the court that day, March 2nd. One team had a band. The other did not. So, poor school gets a team into the playoffs. Goes and plays rich school. Rich school can have their band, poor school cannot. So, rival rich school, rival to both of them, by the way, is waiting for their turn to play. And they see that the team has no band. They start playing for the poor team's band. Is that not wonderful human beings personified or what? Well,
2: it's probably just the, the teacher.
0: <laughs> the teacher made them. You, you're making the call? Hey, guys. Play for the poor
1: kids. Uh, Reached that point in midlife called cynicism. <laughs>
2: <laughs> get off my lawn, kids. Sorry, I'm sorry. This is supposed to be happy news. Sorry, I'm just. I've had a week, guys.
0: Uh, Leave put me alone. Your
1: slivers on, Grandpa. Jesus. The Cardinals go my players were
0: hustling hard and seemed like the underdog in their match against Lawrence County High School. But Johnson, they had no band to motivate the players. The Cardinals never have a band at games unless they're playing at home, since they're a smaller school than some of the others and have limited access to transportation. And this kid was thinking, well what should I do? The score was 64-64. And this kid, Johnson, said there was a possibility his own school would face the Cardinals at a later game in the tournament, so he didn't know if helping to hype up his team was the right move. But he asked himself, how would the other kids feel? How would the crowd respond? The band members, though, seemed eager to sub in from Martin County's band that day at the Appalachian Wireless Arena. It was the students who really stepped up and banded together, said Johnson, who ultimately ignored his concerns and decided, let's do it. As they started their first song, the energy in the arena skyrocketed. We get, we began performing a couple of fun tunes. We had a great organic moment of just kids supporting kids. Abigail Ratliff, 17 said, we just wanted to encourage them and uplift them in a time when they needed it most. It was such a cool experience to get to support someone else. Pike central band also started cheering for the Cardinals in the end the Cardinals clinched an 80 71 victory in overtime. Players said the hype and spirit from the band helped them come out on top. Now the team is headed for the state tournament, marking the school's first time competing in that level in 40 years. Good for them. Their band is unbelievable, said Jason James, coach of Martin County. It really got the crowd and the cheerleaders going. Although Pike County Central High's own basketball team lost in their next game, the school, especially the band, left the arena feeling like winners. It was an amazing experience, said Ryan Price, 17, trombone player. The two schools are more than 50 miles apart, both in eastern Kentucky. Pike County Central has 660 students, about 160 more than Martin County. About 70% of Martin County High students are economically disadvantaged, according to the Kentucky Department of Education. And Pike County Central has about 58% who are in that category, according to the state school report card. The schools often compete against each other at sporting events, so they consider themselves rivals. They had never supported each other like this before. It was a come-together moment, said Timothy Klein, Pike County Central principal, who called the area the oft-forgotten corner of eastern Kentucky. And the underdog won, he said, explaining that Pike County Central is larger than Martin County and has a more robust band program. Character is so much more than a trophy. And we've been living that. Following the success of the performance, Martin County's band was able to plan to play for the school's upcoming state tournament on March 16th at Rupp Arena in Lexington, Kentucky. They asked Pike Central Band to play alongside them and the band eagerly accepted. Our band program here wanted
2: to support them.
1: (laughs) I think if your high school basketball team needs a band to motivate them to win, you need taller players.
2: <laughs> I'm not the only one who's had a long week.
1: This
0: is not that <laughs> segment. This is the happy segment. <laughs> I know, but that's kind of
1: funny. <laughs> they had like 12 LeBrons No, it shows on that good team. character. I LeBron think it's important.
2: Eh, I mean, maybe, let's get down to the root of it. On yeah. The root of it is, is it, it's good. that kids get to basically realize it's not always about you. It's about us. It's about the whole, the team aspect and helping other people. Like that's, that that's the moral. I'm glad that happened. It's hard to find. We are too sinister in life. It's good to see once in a while. Yeah.
1: It's nice to see kids not being
0: little assholes. So to recap, two poor schools from Eastern Kentucky made it to this big tournament. One could bring the band, one couldn't. While they were playing, it was tied at 64-64, and it was very clear that one side had a band and one did not. So another school, waiting for their turn to play, saw that one team had no band, and they subbed in to be the band. And the team without the band won the game, and now they're going to
2: state. woo Did they win? How old is this? Uh, it
0: doesn't say. The article does not say. But this was, uh, this was two weeks ago. So we so should try and get ourselves in the next episode. Yeah, But what happened was the school without a band figured out how to bring their band and they invited the team that they beat to play with them. So now going to state, they've got two bands rooting them on at the state tournament.
2: I hope they won. I just hope they won. Our I thought that was a nice
0: moment worthy of celebration, but well, you celebration, fuckers we are baseball burnt back. out and crispy. <laughs> anyway, that wraps up happy times. That was, uh, that was our show boys. Anything to throw in? Baseball's
2: back. That's all I care about. Baseball's back. Baseball's back. It's good stuff. I saw recently
0: that Shohei Otani needs to get himself a six-fingered glove because he's going to pitch left and right, depending on the
2: situation. Can we just say he's the most amazing human being ever? That dude's a fucking unicorn. And, And he ran out into the field to bow to Ichiro because Ichiro is his hero. Well, it's not even Ichiro. It's anyone elder, any elder Japanese statesman, period. It doesn't matter. If you're older, he will bow. Like, it's just the humbleness of this man is just incredible. Dude, talented as fuck. $600 million contract coming to him. Trust me. Is he going to stay with the Angels or what? Go no. The Dodgers? What do you think? Going Doyers. And doyers do-yers. So I didn't spend any money. It's all Doyers. So, yeah. It'll be interesting. Doge Otani. He's right. worth so much money. Anyways, it's a lot of fun. It's good to watch huh. him. am glad he's in my uniform. He is fun to watch. That's for sure. Um, but no, looking forward to uh, the weekend. That's our show. You can email us at bottleofbrown
0: at gmail.com. Give us a call 602-529-4562. Leave a message for Danny, Leon, the midge or Mr. Jones or any of our special guests. We want to hear from you. Give us ideas for content or refute anything we say on the show. If you like the show, please like, follow, subscribe, share with a friend. The more positive reviews we get, the more people discover Bottle of Brown. We are on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Share a quiet drink with us next episode. Same brown time, same brown channel. BottleofBrown.com
1: This place is dead anyway, man.